I'm Kate Daniels. One of the tragedies in our community is what we could call our lost kids, the sad case of children being taken from their families to be placed in foster care. But the system is like Swiss cheese, containing lots of holes. This is not to bash the system. This is to look at the reality and define where we can be part of the solution in filling the gaps. No one better to give us the ways to do that than Todd McNeil, founder of Hand in Hand Kids in Snohomish County. In less than 10 years, this nonprofit has already made a huge difference in the lives of countless young people and families. But the need is still great and continues to grow. Let's meet Todd to find out where our place might be in the big picture. Todd McNeil, good morning, and thank you so, so greatly for being with us this morning. Oh, thank you. Just a, a honored, honored to be here uh, speaking with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and the work that you're doing so greatly, Todd. It's uh, more important than ever, I think, these days because there's such a need. We all hear how things are so fragile and, and so um, almost desperate, I would guess, uh, is easy to say, in the foster care system. And you have stepped up with this incredible organization you founded, Hand in Hand Kids, which maybe some people haven't heard of, but I think it's a story that uh, we should share some of so people know where the hope lies how each of us can really be part of the solution. Thank you. Hand in Hand was just, uh, I'm actually a construction guy. I don't have a, an education in social work. My wife and I are just normal people, but started the journey of foster care and saw a gap in services. That's one thing that I just hope the listeners will understand, that it can just be normal people that can make a difference in, in a child's life. There's nothing that we have to offer that's special as far as money or education or anything else. And Hand in Hand was really just birthed on the idea that as a community, we need to take care of our kids, that every kid deserves a family. So that's a great point that each of us can step in. And as you were saying that, that each of us can do this, it really is as simple as realizing it's love, that we care enough, that we love enough to open our doors for whatever period of time to a child who is really in desperate circumstances. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of love out there. In fact, I think that that is one of the things that's scary for people. One of the most common reasons people don't get involved with at-risk kids or foster kids that we hear is, I could never love a child, raise a child for six months, a year, two years, three years, and then release that child back. And those are the people that we really want. Those are the people that have so much love in their heart. I'm always leery of the people who say, oh, yeah, I could do that. I'll just pretend that I'm babysitting or or do a disconnect, and the kids will feel that. Our kids deserve to be loved, and what a gift you give to them that when they do leave your house, that it's a physical pain that rips your heart out. The children deserve that. They deserve to be loved that much. Well, if that is then a concern, you and your wife have done that, and you continue to do it, if maybe not really directly, but seeing all the children who come to Hand in Hand Kids, you do have to part, but even though there can be some pain, isn't it essentially a good pain? It is wonderful, and uh, often my wife says we do this for selfish reasons. And the funny thing is is that the broken heart can be healed by another broken heart, and it's the only thing where two broken things actually lead to healing. And, and being a foster parent, our healing always comes from the next child that comes into the house that, that needs us and embraces us, and so... Uh, you know, when a child leaves, 
it's very sad, but we also know that it's time to get ready for the next child that we're going to have the opportunity to love. And it's, it's extremely rewarding. And if, if people can just get over that initial fear of that heartache, because there is a way to heal that heartache, and that heartache is by continuing in the work. Exactly. And so here is an opportunity to consider that, to consider how we might be filling in a gap. It might really be the most opportune thing because maybe we don't see ourselves as being able to do this for the long term. But there's such a need for short term and and we can choose those times when we can open our doors and say that this is going to last for a, a few weeks, several months, that kind of thing. Yes, yes. And, you know, I think it's a scary thing to to start off in foster care. And that was uh, one of the big reasons we initially started Hand in Hand was to start doing receiving care. That first 72 hours that a child comes in is, is critical. And most of the time, uh, the, the department, uh, CPS, Child Protective Services, just needs time to find a family member, a community member. And so there's this really low barrier way that people can get involved through our safe place program. And so if a child comes into care, it could be a drug raid. It could be some really icky stuff sometimes uh, where, you know, when they, when police do raids on, on those brothels and those drug houses, there's children in there. And so you have some of those icky cases, but there's some other ones that we've, that are just, um, just a parent who, for example, an immigrant who had come to the country, he was waiting on his wife, and he was from Africa, and while he was here, had just gotten settled, and he had a heart attack and didn't know anyone to care for his, his children. So that, that's also a, a, a foster child. So it's not always abuse and neglect. It's just a child in need. And with Safe Place, people have the opportunity to come in and just do a shift during that 72 hours. And so they can come in and, and play games with the kiddo, might be holding a baby, might be taking a, a 12-year-old to the zoo, um, taking them in to get uh, a, a checkup at the doctor. And it's a lot of fun. It's just kind of a way to get to get introduced to the demographic and kind of take that scariness away. That's a wonderful solution is is to do something like that. Uh, yeah, test the water in such a way that it's not going to have any kind of negative impact then on a child. We definitely don't want to add any more burden there. No, and it, it's uh, it's pretty fun. What we found at Safe Place, we kind of, we used to say, well, maybe we should have a staff there for the entire 72 hours. But what ended up happening is sometimes the kids would become so attached to that staff that it was very traumatic. And what we found was by creating almost like a camp environment where the kids come in very traumatized, but we put them at ease really quick. And they're just excited to see that next round of volunteers. What are they going to do? Am I going to get to go to the children's museum? Are they going to play games? Are they going to bring a craft? Are we going to bake cookies? Um, It's just a really neat thing for the kids. Kind of puts them at ease, takes their mind off the trauma that they've been through. And it's just a great opportunity for, um, for the community to be introduced to our kids. We only ask for one shift a month. So like I said, it's just kind of kind of testing the water. And some people are, are a little concerned, maybe think that, that foster kids are three-eyed monsters and all have all these behavior problems. The, the reality is they're just kids. They're just kids who want somebody to hang out with them and give them a hug and wipe a tear away if they scrape their knee. And we had a little insight into what that 
first 72 hours might be like when one of your now staff members and volunteers, well, uh, Amber was here a couple of months ago, and when she was taken as a young child into foster care, it was so gut-wrenching. There was no place like Safe Place, and she was just bounced around and sat in offices and was in a motel. Those kinds of things are or if, yes, further trauma to a child. So thinking of of a safe place and having an opportunity to create as uh, normalized, or as you say, that a camp-like atmosphere, what a perfect gift that is for that child. Yeah, it's, you know, before safe place existed, it, in, you know, in the mid-60s, there was a big push to go away from orphanages. And what ended up happening was through our laws, our administrative codes, we took away the ability to care for children in any facility-based environment, and it was the best of intentions. They wanted to get rid of orphanages, which is a good thing. Children belong in homes. But what it did was it left a gap in services for decades. So a child is involved in a drug raid. Flashbang grenades come in through the window. They're very traumatized. They might be in, in real stories here, you know, girls in their panties that police are shining flashlights and guns in their faces, and, and they try to gather up clothes, but all they get is shirts, and they're wrapped in a blanket. And how it used to work was the police would call CPS. They would come out maybe one or two in the morning. They'd put these scared, crying kids in their car, and they would drive around making phone calls to foster families who were willing to take kids after hours. And the list was very small. And so my wife and I took in over 100 of these kids late at night. And they come in with unknown broken bones, with uh, lice, scabies, ringworm. And then if you have other kids in the house, they're being exposed. Um, We had kids who were sexually assaulted and we didn't know it and we washed away valuable evidence. But it's also the trauma of the children riding in that car, hearing their story over and over and constantly hearing the rejection. And we just felt that was wrong. So Safe Place was actually the first shelter of its kind in the state of Washington, and it has since been been replicated. Uh, We had some lawmakers who took up the cause, and Governor Inslee signed a a bill into law a couple years ago, and it is now replicated in Bellingham. Uh, There's one in King County, and uh, Amara has just opened another one down in Pierce County. So we're very excited to be changing the model of how kids come into care. And... uh, I didn't realize that, but how exciting. You really are underscoring for us what one person can do. We don't have to be doing what you're what you have done to that extent, but look what has happened that this ideal model is happening throughout the county, throughout the state rather, and here all we need to do is step up and volunteer a, a day a month. It might be the one thing that we are able to do. Isn't that just Genius. Uh, it's just a, we call it a low barrier way to, to introduce the kids. I think people want to do something, but it's just scary and they just don't know how. And um, at Hand in Hand, we just really want to expose our kids to wonderful people and expose wonderful people to our terrific kids. And Safe Place is just a great way. There's other things as well. We, we work with kids who, who are at risk of entering care. Um, through poverty, through the parents' immigration status, uh, through lots of different reasons, uh, health. And so we, we do some other stuff as well on the prevention side where we need people to coach soccer teams, for example, or help us out with field trips. Um, we have wonderful uh, partners. Uh, for example, the, the Seattle Mountaineers, uh, they come out and they teach rock climbing classes to kids in the neighborhood as well as, as foster kids. So at-risk kids, 
kind of mixed in with foster kids, and we'll take them hiking and rock climbing. Uh, we've taught kids how to ski. Um, we we try to uh, connect kids with caring coaches and lots of really simple, fun ways to get involved with kids that is really, we, we call it just doing life with them. You don't have to do something special. If you're passionate about rock climbing, hey, what, give us a call. We'd, we'd love some help uh, belaying. Or if you really love soccer, uh, come on out and, and coach one of our teams. So very easy to participate by in, in these ways, something that is what we already enjoy doing and being able to share it with those kiddos. All right. It, I think so many times... Um, people get out way outside their comfort zone uh, trying to serve a child. And sometimes you pull the, the kiddo out of their comfort zone. And I said, it is, it is all about doing life uh, with, with the kid. When you're coaching a kid, you're doing life with them. And there's so many life lessons. And when you're volunteering at Safe Place and you're wiping a snotty nose or, or helping a kiddo, you know, tie their shoes or that stuff, you're, you're just doing life. And it's really rewarding and really fun. So how simple is that? So if, if this is already sounding appealing and intriguing to someone, how do they go about uh, getting involved and, and volunteering themselves? Well, our website is the best way, and it's www.handinhandkids.org, and it's all spelled out. And if you go on there, if you click on the events, we do volunteer information meetings, and it's a great way to just kind of check us out and and it's, it, it is a little overwhelming. We also have some other uh, opportunities just with partner agencies. The YMCA, for example, runs a, a youth development center, not only in our neighborhood, but, but all over Snohomish County in the YMCAs. And so if it's a little overwhelming to kind of make the big plunge, we've got other, other ways that we can plug people in and, and get them volunteering. But that's really the, the best first step is to come to one of those information meetings. And so you go to events and... Down under events, there'll be volunteer information meeting, and you can click on that and find out when the times are and register. And, and uh, you know, even if last minute you want to come and you're not registered, just go ahead and show up. Uh, it happens quite often, and the more the merrier. That's great. An important and wonderful opportunity of community really pulling together. And any time is the time for that to happen. We're finding, I think, these days a lot more stress and strain going on that the need, I would guess, is maybe even greater, Todd? Yes, the need is greater and the resources are fewer. Five. Not going to lie, foster care is really tough. And that's why I say it's good to, to just test the water with these low barrier ways to get involved. But foster homes are in decline. Families are strained and it's just really tough. And I think it's kind of a scary thing. And also because of our really strict privacy laws, which are just wonderful here in Washington. But the side effect of that is that our kids' stories don't get told. So my belief is we have a wonderful state with terrific people who want to help, but they just don't know the need. And right now, my email is flooded with children who need homes, and there are no foster homes right now or places to take them. And one thing that people don't realize is you don't have to be a foster parent to take in a foster child. You just have to have a relationship. So if you're a teacher and a kiddo at your school comes into care and you have room, you can take that child in as a suitable other. Or if you have a neighbor and that kiddo calls you grandma, you're a fictive kid. And you can also be a potential option for that child. So just letting people know that these kids are out there and they really need us. I think that a lot of people don't know that. Oh, it is 
heart-wrenching to think about a child just drifting. Their parents, as you mentioned, might be ill. As earlier on, you mentioned the immigrant father who had a heart attack. These kids could be left on their own, right? Uh, Yes, yes. And what ends up happening right now is with the lack of foster homes, we end up with kids that bounce in hotels or they might stay in a foster home that's too full. And so they're only allowed to stay there overnight because of the laws and the way the, the rules are written. And statistics show that if a child moves three times in foster care, they're not likely to attach it to, to a caregiver. So it's really important that we do this right. And currently we're not. We have kids that might have six, seven, eight, nine placements in the first two weeks where they're staying at different places and at the DSHS office during the day after they leave Safe Place just simply because of the lack of foster homes. Oh, again, that is so heart-wrenching. And to think of a child who might be school age, they're probably not even able to continue going to the same school and their whole life is being turned upside down. Uh, Correct, yeah. Sometimes it's really tough to get them to school. And throw all that out there and it just really sounds overwhelming, but the solution is is actually really simple. Um, The numbers, even though they sound overwhelming, you know, almost a half million foster kids in in uh, the country and 10,000 here in Washington and here where we are in Snohomish County, about 750 kids. But the number is actually equal to the number of churches, for example, or it's also equal to the number of civic groups. So if each church were to take on one child as a church, support a family that took in a child, the, the problem is gone. Or civic groups, same thing. You know, the Rotaries and Kiwanis clubs and Elks clubs, if they were to each provide one uh, family and then care for that family, the problem's actually gone. So it's a very solvable issue. We just need to get the word out and let people know about this problem and about this issue. And we live in a a wonderful state, and I believe if people know that they'll step up. Now that sounds like such a very reasonable and doable way to approach this. I had not heard uh, anyone comment on it in that way. So we just have to ask our faith communities. uh, You know, we may have thousands of people listening who are going to all these different churches or belong to these different clubs, as he mentioned. So we just have to enlist them and engage them in wanting to support a family to be a foster family. That's right. That's right. And in the agencies and the people who do this, we really work together at, on a state level. So I would encourage that even if someone is living in, in Pierce County or King County, uh, to go ahead and, and uh, give us a call or uh, just look into fostering. But they're, they're welcome to give us a call even in Pierce and just say, hey, what's a good agency or how would I start the process down here? And, and we'd be happy to to help. This really is a, a statewide crisis. It's not just a Snohomish County crisis. And we really do work together, the, the providers that are, that are caring for these kids. And so, again, here's dropping that pebble in the proverbial pond, just as you were drawn into creating Safe Place and others are replicating. So, too, let's start this kind of movement that is really going to have this critically important impact for our kids. That's correct, and um, it, it is, uh, again, it's just so rewarding. Even some of the things that, that you could, maybe you, you know of someone who is currently a foster parent, and 
maybe just reach out and see if there's some way that you could help or you're, you belong to a, to a rotary and you know that one of your members is fostering. And just even talk to them. It, it can be very overwhelming. And again, because of privacy laws, we're really not allowed to share a lot and talk a lot. And it, it can be lonely at times. Um, and it, it's really nice sometimes to just know that people have your back. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, we have six kids in our house and, and you just don't make much money working for a nonprofit. But I have a, a friend, wonderful friend, uh, who, um, who have a cabin up in the woods and it's Kurt and Carrie Campbell from uh, the Nelson Auto Group down there. And they are just wonderful supporters of our family. And so last weekend we got away for free for five days in a, in a snowy cabin in the mountains and snowshoeing. These wonderful just gestures and acts of kindness are wonderful. So the Campbells aren't in a position where they can foster, but they are in a position where they can help out families like ours and just give us that, that little break or that little uh, special experience that, that our kids need. And another way, then, if we're not able to take this on on a more regular, full-time, uh, day-to-day basis, you were mentioning like these kind of uh, experiences to go out and coach soccer or take a group of kids out to a movie. Yeah, there's so many low-barrier ways to get involved, and I would really encourage that um, at Hand in Hand, we're about community-based volunteerism. And if you are inspired and, and you don't live near us in the Snohomish County area, to really look into your local Boys and Girls Club or your local YMCA and look for these opportunities to be a camp counselor, to work with the children. And yes, these field trips, these camps, these opportunities to take groups of kids on field trips to the movie or, or to theater. Um, it's just wonderful taking groups of kids to the Fifth Avenue Theater or to the ballet and so many of these really special places that are typically expensive, they're wanting to help and wanting to help us expose kids to the arts. For example, Fifth Avenue is, is just a terrific partner, and they have these opportunities where you can get extremely discounted and sometimes even free tickets for kids if you're working with, for example, a minority achievers uh, group at a, at a YMCA drop-in center. So the YMCA really starting with their youth development centers because they're the ones who kind of know the needs of the kids and what else was out there. Great. I'd like to have you give us a a little closer look at some of the kids and the families. And you were mentioning earlier on a father from Africa was suffering the heart attack. But there are more of the immigrant families in our communities. And it seems that these children are suffering perhaps more so than normally one would find. Yeah, they're very scared right now. And what's funny, working in this community for a long time, um, this sounds awful, but it seems like politically we always need a boogeyman. And it's not a conservative or liberal thing or even a Democrat or Republican thing. It's just kind of our our broken human nature that we need the boogeyman. And and up in our community, it, it used to be the Vietnamese. They were, um, you know, they were communist infiltrators. And then it was the Cambodians who were going to take all the uh, spots in the school. And then we worked a lot with Russians and Ukrainians volunteering in the neighborhood, and they all belonged to the mafia and all these stereotypes. And then the African immigrants came and they were all, um, you know, child soldiers and, and were going to run gangs. And right now it is, a lot of it is directed at the Hispanic community, especially uh, Mexicans. And so it's really scary for our children. And so many of the families that we do work with are 
their parents were brought here as children to America. Uh, their, their grandparents were seeking a better life, but their parents were undocumented. And they're very scared right now. And we do have instances where, where parents and families are separated, may have come here when they were two or three years old, and there really isn't a path to legal citizenship. And so they're very scared. They're very unsure. And there's a lot of prejudice that goes on right now and a lot of misinformation within the immigrant community. And what we find is that the immigrants typically are extremely hardworking. They are resilient. They're wonderful. And we really need to put a face on these terrific kids, regardless of their nationality, their children. And we need to do a better job of caring for them and making them feel safe. Yes, to realize these are human beings we are connected. We need to realize that connection rather than, I like how you phrased it as being a boogeyman. You know, let's get over that and realize the value of each single human being. Correct. And it has to start in the home when three of my children are Mexican and the harassment that they've taken at school has been pretty rough that they're going to get deported on the soccer field. A lot of comments over this last year and and what I have to tell my kids is that it's not those kids' fault, that they're hearing it on the radio, on TV, they're hearing it in the home, and to, to show compassion to them as well. But our words do matter. It is really tough for my kids to be scared that they're going to be deported, even though they're U.S. citizens. They're, they're adopted, they have valid Social Security numbers, but there's still that fear because of what's being told to them at school and the constant harassment. and. You know, just even some of the Facebook stuff, people seem to think that it's really funny right now to put posts with funny pictures of, of Hispanics uh, telling them to hide and things like that. And, and our kids see this. And so the community we work in is typically full of people from a crisis the previous two to three years. And right now it is mostly Hispanics fleeing um, drug violence in Mexico, Central America and South America. But it's it's always been that way. For example, when the earthquake hit in Port-au-Prince, had an incredible amount of, of undocumented Haitian immigrants. Uh, or when the Darfur region uh, was really flaring up, we had an incredible amount of, of Sudanese undocumented immigrants. And to just really see these as people who just really want the best for their family. And I think what we do is we t might take the one out of 300 who's coming here for the wrong reasons and they become our, our boogeyman, so to speak, and we lump everyone into one group. And it's really harmful to our children. And I think you're helping us to realize, Todd, is the human factor, really to see the individual, really to look within ourselves, to practice love and kindness and acceptance, and maybe just give ourselves that opportunity to test this, as we said earlier on, and find an opportunity to volunteer or spend uh, that day at Safe Place and become part of this community, right? Right. And I don't think that people are, you know, intentionally doing this. Sometimes, again, it's just not knowing who it is that we serve. And I could give a, a great example, a local pitchman who was one of my closest friends. His name was Rob Delkey, and he was the pitchman for Vern Fonk. He really didn't understand who our kids were, who foster kids were or immigrants. And to be honest, he's a loving, caring man and father, but was also very judgmental, but a good friend. And my challenge to him was, Rob, come and hang out with my kids. Come and meet my kids and see who they are. Come and meet my families. 
What's funny is by hanging with our kids, he was broken and was filled with tears many times of tears of joy from hanging out with our children and our families and seeing what they had to offer. And what ended up happening is he ended up emceeing our fundraisers because he believes so much in the work. And that wasn't anything that I told him or I did. It was just that he came out and he actually met the kids and met the families and actually hung out with them. And that's what changed him. Again, they're not a boogeyman. They're just human beings and people who have dreams and hopes and just want to have a good, safe life for their children and their families. Oh, that's a wonderful and an important story, one for each of us to really embrace. And if we need to challenge ourselves, if we find those barriers existing. Well, Todd McNeil, it's been so incredible to have you share this with us. I wish we had more time, but I hope that we covered the essential pieces of what's going on. Let's just mention the website once again. So that's the place to get the information that we need and get involved. Yes, it's www.handinhandkids.org, all spelled out, H-A-N-D-I-N-H-A-N-D-K-I-D-S.org. And you can look around at some of the work that we do, or you can click on the events and uh, register for one of our volunteer information meetings. And like I said, if you, if you live in Pierce County and you're interested in foster, give us a call. Just let us know, hey, I'm in Pierce County. Uh, who's, who's a good agency that I could contact down there? And, and we'll get you plugged in. Perfect. Well, again, many thanks. You are doing such important and loving work, building relationships in our community. Thank you for taking time with us this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you so much.